In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda. And Cinda brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, they don't only bring you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. We have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, We've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple Podcasts to Google Pay to Stitcher, Spotify. So you can find us all over the net. And I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And let me know what you'd like to hear about on this show. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure you take away something useful for yourself or your business. Now on to today's broadcast. And it's going to be fun today. You know, when I think about it, the line between fiction and reality is blurrier today than ever before. Sometimes a book or a movie filled with fictional characters can remind us of reality. And often we tend to forget fiction is made up stories and has really no connection to reality because it's kind of like two sides of the coin. Very often, real-life experience can shape fiction, and fictional experience can shape the way we think. But there is one thing to remember in both fiction and life. As we go through life, we participate in the lives of others. We observe, we learn, we think. Writers use their experience to help readers imagine, broaden their perspectives, and very often convey important messages. Readers very often can relate to the experience of the characters they read in a book, which can stir up memories of their own experiences. And today we're going to talk with a writer who has used his vast experiences in business, not only to provide us sound business advice, but he has weaved his experience and knowledge into fiction, fiction that is thrilling, fiction that stirs up memories, fiction where you can get so caught up in his characters, you cannot put the book down. And our guest today is Robbie Bach, and he is best known for founding and leading the team that created Xbox. Today, he is an entertaining storyteller, catalyzing voice who writes 
books and speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity, strategy, and civic issues. During his 22 years at Microsoft, Robbie worked in various marketing and business management roles, including supporting the successful launch and expansion of Microsoft Office and leading the creation and development of the Xbox business. Then as Microsoft's president of entertainment and devices division, he was responsible for the company's worldwide gaming, music, video, phone, and retail sales business until he retired in 2010. He currently chairs on the board of the Bipartisan Policy Center and serves on the National Board of Governors for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. He previously served as a board member of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committees, SONOS. And he is the author of Xbox Revisited, A Game Plan for Public and Civic Renewal, and his new book, The Wilkes Insurrection, and a contemporary filter, the, the thriller that is coming out today actually robbie welcome it is today it's coming out today october 12th right super excited yeah it is today okay well th let's just start kind of on a on a broad question i mean you have a business book out um xbox revisited and now with the launch today the wilkes insurrection um this is a thriller um i got a sneak preview excellent book how you know what made you move from kind of business writing into fiction well, I think there were really two things. First, um, I love a challenge. And my first challenge was just writing a book, period. And that mm -hmm. was Xbox Revisited, and I loved doing that. I'm really proud of the book. But when it came time to write a second one, I said, okay, I could write an, a, another nonfiction business-oriented book, or I could try to do something completely crazy and try to learn how to write fiction. And so I really sat down and said, well, I want to do characters. I want to do plot. I want to do scene description. I want to do dialogue. Um, so part of it was just to challenge myself. The other part is I felt like I could reach a, a broader audience through fiction. And I mm -hmm. think people love to read fiction just to enjoy. And so uh, The Wilkes Insurrection is, uh, I think people will find a great thriller. So just as a thriller experience and as a work of fiction, people will enjoy it. And at the end of the book, I hope you put it down and you say, wow, that was cool, and I learned something. Yeah, and um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this a, a little bit later in the show. And, um, you know, I was lucky as interviewing you as to get a sneak preview, and I do have to say – it is a great thriller, and we're going to come back to talk a little bit about that later. Um, but I'd like to—I kind of—I'd like to start out with your business experience because that's mm. weaved also into your fiction. Um, and you were—you know—you were on this team that with the Xbox and and Microsoft. What was the history of Microsoft? They—they they kind of got into the gaming business, and you know, around 2001, 2005. How how did that all start? Well, it started actually because of <laughs> because of Sony. Mm -hmm. So Sony came out with a product called the PlayStation 2. They called it a computer in your living room. And this was in, you know, late 1999 and Microsoft looks and says, "No, wait, we do computers and <laughs> that's our business and we want to have a computer in the living room to, and we think we should be competing with Sony for that space." And so that's what really got us started and you know, it was an opportunity for us not only to compete with Sony, but also to expand into digital entertainment, which was a, a nice logical extension for Microsoft from its digital business work. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of get into a, a market where a competitor is already is there and expand your market. So how, how did that go? I mean, if I remember back to 2005, it was kind of a bumpy road in the beginning. Um, and, you know, is there anything we can learn from what Microsoft learned as they started to, to expand into this market? Well, yeah, for sure. So when we started... Yeah, from 2000 to 2001, this was an 18-month development process for a very complex product. And the, the two things I learned in that that are really, really clear. One, uh, strategy has to come first. And you have to really step away. I always say step away from the keyboard for a moment and think about the underlying strategy for what you're trying to accomplish. And we got into a mode of, oh, my gosh, we don't have very much time. Let's just run hard and fast. <laughs> And in fact, stepping back and doing strategy first was incredibly important. The second thing I would say, which is sort of ironic, is that culture culture is super important. In fact, it's in many ways more important than strategy itself. And we we built a group from 20 people to 2,000 people in 18 months. Wow. Yeah, and we didn't pay attention to the culture we were building in the group. And so you had a team that was running very hard, very fast, doing new things, that was not strategy-led and was not building a conscious culture. And that is a recipe for a very difficult 18 months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm going to come back to that because in your business book, you talk a little bit about uh, building culture and and um, kind of stay because it's the 20th anniversary of Xbox this year, isn't it? It is. It's it's so strange for me. I mean, I, uh, you know, I left uh, Microsoft 10 years ago and I think – Wow, 20 years of Xbox. It's just a, it's a, it's a remarkable thing. But yeah, it is the 20th anniversary and uh, it's pretty cool to see what Xbox has done over those 20 years. Yeah. And 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 when we talk about over those 20 years, I mean, those were not an easy 20 years, okay? Because you had 2008 where where you know, we had a major recession and and you know, entertainment was not always on everybody's mind and then um, in your book you talk about um, you know, 2011, of course, and um, 9/11, when you were doing a demo. So, I mean, how did all these these kind of social changes and uh, you know financial and social changes affect the development? Well, so 9/11 happened, you know, literally as we were getting ready to ship the first version of Xbox. So it's September 11th, 2001. I'm in New York uh, to do a press tour. I arrive that morning on a red eye. I go to the hotel and the attacks happen. And look, there's two sorts of effects. There's the practical effects of it made logistics very difficult. It made shipping things difficult. It made moving our team around very difficult. So that's all fine and good. But I will tell you that the bigger challenge was just the emotional effect. Mm-hmm. Um, people have forgotten, you know, 20 years ago, people I think have uh, a little bit forgotten the trauma of 9-11. And for, for Americans in particular, obviously, that was a very traumatic thing. So we had to deal with two things. We had to deal with the logistic impact as well as the impact it was having on the team and, you know, myself as, as, the, as, a, as a leader. Um, so it, that's one side of it. And then you get to the recession in 2008. The recession in 2008 is sort of a double-edged sword. One, it's certainly hard because people didn't have the disposable income. They weren't spending money on discretionary things. But at the same time, people were staying at home more. And so they were looking for ways to have fun. And so we, you know, our challenge was how do you market to an audience that um, is certainly going through economic challenge but is looking for entertainment. 
And, you know, I, I go back to that time and our business slowed a bit, but it didn't slow as much as you might have thought because people were, were focused on finding easy ways to entertain themselves at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and when you think about it, when you think about this twenty uh, 20th anniversary and and you know nine eleven and then the recession, um, yeah, that that was a tough pa- path to bring a a new product out on the market. If, if you're stepping back and looking at that time now, uh, and you've been retired now for you said for ten years, um, what was do you think was the biggest thing that you learned? during that period and launching the Xbox during kind of these tough times? You know, I think it's, I think it's the, um, in some ways, the obvious thing, which is it's the power of the people in the team. Uh, Xbox, mm-hmm. we always had smart people. We always had, from the very beginning, people who were very good at their specific function. But when you're going through times of challenge and crisis, what you really discover is whether you have a great team or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my view that great individuals uh, will struggle in a crisis um, and that great teams can overcome a crisis. And, you know, for me, I think that was was super powerful to sort of see that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to, that that's really important. And you write about that in your business book. And I, I'd like to come back to talk a little bit about your business book, which is Xbox Revisited, a game plan for public and civic renewal. Um, because you talk about the team and you talk about some tips for some of our business people listening on, you know, how to manage through those times. But we're going to take a short break, Robbie. And for our listeners, we are talking with Robbie. Bobby Bach, and he's best known for founding and leading the team that created the Xbox. And today he is an entertaining storyteller. He's a catalyzing voice who writes books, speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity, strategy, and civic issues. He has two books out. His first book was Xbox Revisited, a game plan for public and civic renewal. And that is on Amazon. And the second book, a book of fiction, The Wilkes Insurrection is a thriller, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, and that is launched today on October 12th. So if you'd like to find that book, please go to Amazon. It's also on Amazon today. And if you'd like to reach out to Robbie, you can go to Robbie on Facebook under RobbieBach61, and he is on Twitter under Robbie underscore Bach, and on LinkedIn under Robbie Bach. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, who holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and does legislative white papers focused on digital. If you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And each month, Cinda holds online learning series. So you can go to the online learning learning platform under www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Today, we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we are talking with Robbie Bach, and he is best known for founding and leading the team that created the Xbox. And today he's an entertaining storyteller, catalyzing voice who writes books, speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity, strategy, and civic issues. And he has two books out. He is the author of Xbox Revisited, a game plan for public and civic renewal, and a new book that just came out today, The Wilkes Insurrection. And this is a contemporary thriller that's absolutely fantastic. I was very lucky to get a sneak preview on this, Robbie. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I want to I want to talk, continue to talk about the lessons that you learned, um, you know, at Microsoft, leading the, the Xbox team. And you talked about teamwork. And... Um, in your book, you go into a little bit more in depth on on strategy and team, and you talk about the three P method that you've developed. Can you um, kind of give us a quick overview of what that is? Well, the three P framework is this process we use to build strategy for the second version of Xbox. And put simply, it's this: in three pages, tell me your purpose your principles, and your priorities. And you get a one-sentence purpose, you get five principles, you get five priorities, and you get three pages. And if you can't do it and that's constraint, you don't really have your strategy figured out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you use this in Xbox. And when, when you think about it, companies sometimes are really not clear on purpose, okay? Um, you know, they think they may be, you know, solving one problem, but they're not. They're not talking to the users. How how do you help a company and help a team become clear on purpose? Well, the first thing is when I ask somebody, do you have a purpose or a purpose statement, usually what I get is either a little bit of a a blank stare because they haven't thought about it as purpose, or I get a mission statement, which is kind of a nice paragraph that makes everybody feel good. And what I I ask them to do, and oftentimes I'll break them up into into, just individually and say, write one sentence that tells me the North Star for where you're trying to take your business, your company, or, or whatever it is we're working on. One sentence. And if you get that from eight or ten people and then you sort of look at them, you'll realize that people aren't consistently going in the same place. Mm-hmm. And that's really starts the discussion. Okay, let's actually talk about where we all should be going. And then how do we write a sentence that describes that so the rest of the team 
uh, can actually understand that. Mm-hmm. So when I, I liked what you said when you you know you ask eight or ten people, and especially if you're at the board level or something like that, on what the purpose is, you're you're probably going to get some differences. So how how do you kind of bring that group together, that team together, to to try to agree on that purpose? There, how how well, did you do that? Yeah. Well, what's interesting? What's interesting is oftentimes when you you separate people and they actually write this, and then you bring them together, they kind of go, oh. Yeah, you're right. We we don't really agree. And then you start to say, okay, where do we disagree? Is it the target audience? Is it the the product focus? Is it the the destination? You know, ultimately the goal. What is it? And you have to have what are often really hard conversations. Um, mm-hmm. Getting people to a unified purpose can be quite difficult, and it requires people to say, okay, I agree. My purpose isn't A. It's more of B. Um, and typically what I find is people will try to write a purpose statement as a group and you'll end up with a, a longish sentence that's a little ungangly. And then somebody in the team has to step away and say, let me take a crack at making this crisp and succinct. And they do that. People come back and wordsmith a little bit and you get to the right answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once you get to that right answer, I, I think where a lot of companies fail, okay, maybe the board's identified the North Star, they've invented the, the purpose, and then it has to ca- cascade down, okay? Right. Um, how, how do you successfully cascade that down? Well, what we did with the entire 3P framework, purpose, principles, and priorities, is, you know, there was eight or 10 of us on the senior leadership team. We then went to the next 50 people. Mm-hmm. And we explained that 3P framework to them. And then we asked them to build an action plan from that. And, you know, we call, we sort of talked about this as the three-page framework and then the 30-page plan. And that 30-page plan, in the case of Xbox, ended up being 80 PowerPoint slides. But it was the <laughs> next layer who actually built it. Mm-hmm. And then we had a great interaction between the senior leadership team and the next the next level of people to make sure we got it right. And then once you get that there, then those people take it out to their teams. And so there is, as you say, this cascading process that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, th- that sounds like a good way to bring in the next 50 people and get them, you know, to put that into the action plan. And while you, when you have this all going on, Robbie, okay. And, and, your next P is principles, okay? Mm. And, and I'd like to explore that a little bit because that's something today that is discussed quite a bit today um, on how critical principles are. So how do you really define – when in how are you defining principles? When I talk about principles, first of all, I always tell people you only get five principles. You don't get 10 mm. or 15. If you have 15 principles, you're not a very principled person. So you only get five principles, and these are the things that determine how you're going to work together, how you're going to make decisions, um, how you're going to act. They are very core sort of guardrails and rules of the road for how the team is going to operate. Uh, and and so it's it's pretty pretty tangible stuff. Like who does get to make decisions? Um, how are we going to do that as, as a group and a team? Um, what's appropriate behavior? Those kinds of things. And this is sort of, you know, kind of fundamental rules of the road. It's the how of getting to our purpose and our North Star. Okay. So that's, that's quite 
internally focused okay mm. um on you know how that group is going to operate what are the kind of the rules around it and as you said who makes the decisions um but when i think about how are you going to act okay mm. a lot today you know if you re- if you're reading the press and you you see companies coming out with statements there are also external principles do these fit in here and i'm talking about you know oh yeah absolutely. absolutely so how do, how do you bring those together absolutely look if 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 those kinds of factors are fundamental to what you're trying to do to achieve the purpose they have to be part of your your principles so that includes you know things like environmental sustainability mm-hmm. uh, if if that's going to be a fundamental part of the way your team's going to act and the way your product's going to interact with the marketplace it has to be in that that set of principles for the how again to come back to that for the how uh, of what you're going to do and mm-hmm. you know so it principles ends up being you know uh, things all the way from you know corporate responsibility all the way down to literally how are we going to measure success mm-hmm. okay and and when you when you talk about those kind of ec- that combination of external and internal um, and corporate responsibility there seems to be a great deal of focus on that today, of um, and as history has shown, a lot of companies without a lot of corporate responsibility. How <laughs> we can go into some stories there, right? <laughs> okay. Um, sure. Uh, so, how how important do you think this is today to just the general workforce? Okay, when looking for a job, when looking for a company to interact with, um, where does this? combination of principles, internal and outtorical way in maybe somebody's decision process and also in the consumer process on buying a product. Yeah, I think what's remarkable about what's going on in corporate responsibility is it's partly about what people would say the PR message. So there's, there's certainly part of this that's just about how your customers perceive you. But a significant part of it's actually being driven by employees. Its employees are saying, I don't want to work for a company if I don't believe in their principles and the way they want to operate. I want to work at a place that's ethical. I I want to work at a place that's environmentally sustainable. I want to work at a place that cares about its community. And that is a radical, I think, generational shift. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly my generation, I'm kind of an older guy. And my generation didn't think of that first. And I think for many of the people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s now, that's a very high consideration in terms of where they want to work. And mm-hmm. so if you're a corporate leader, you're driving um, – you're doing corporate responsibility not just because it's the PR thing to do. You're doing it because your employees are pushing you to do it. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful message. Yeah, and and I agree. I think it is quite generational, and and you see that as you know people enter the workforce and and they discuss different companies and they say I'd work for them, but I wouldn't work for them. So you, I, I agree with you. Um, coming back to your P's, so we have we have the purpose, we have the principle that we explored, and then you have priorities. Okay, um, how do you? You know, what did you guys do at Xbox, and how do you pick and choose initiatives? Well, so the real problem we had with the first version of Xbox, that crazy one I discussed in the first segment, is that we had too many priorities. And mm-hmm. the first thing you have to figure out when you're doing priorities is, 
you know, most groups, most people can't do more than five things really well. So the number one thing you have to do with priorities is figure out what the five most important things are to get done. And that's a combination of your experience. It's a combination of business analysis. It's a combination of, you know, if you need consultants to help you think that through, it's a combination of, of team discussion and, and team analysis. And you try to pick those five and make sure that everybody is focused on those five. And the focus will help you be successful. And if you pick the right five or get most of them right, you're going to have a significantly better chance than somebody who says, well, there's 10 things we have to get done. Let's see what we can do. Mm -hmm. And and I find most circumstances, that's when I talk to companies or, or nonprofit organizations, mostly they have 10 things to do and they're doing all of them sort of well. And mm -hmm. that to me is not a recipe for success. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes back. I mean, that makes sense um, when I think about, you know, managing people, you know, giving them, you know, the five things or the three things to continue to do, the three things to improve and yeah. that, you know, people can't do lists of 10 things at the same time and, and neither can companies because then it gets to be chaos. And, and you talk about that, too, because you talk about in managing people, you talk about the game of three and fives in your book. Right. And this kind of fits into this, doesn't it? Or it absolutely does. So I am a firm believer in the rule of threes and fives. And the rule of threes is if I'm communicating with somebody to an audience, to an individual, they won't take away more than three things I say. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I do a lot of public speaking. I'll talk for 45 minutes. I hope that there are three points I'm making during that 45 minutes. And I have to do it effectively. I got to be impactful. I got to be smart. But I know that people are going to only walk away with two or three things. And then the rule of fives is what we talked about with priorities, which is if you're doing tasks, if you have people focused on getting things done, the idea that they're going to get more than five things done well is, is probably not accurate. And you need focus. And so when I talk to people, it's in threes. And when I'm working with people on what we're going to get done, it's in fives. And uh, I can't scientifically explain why three and five, but I can promise you that from experience, from 25 years of experience, that's what works. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you um, because it is really these to-do lists. And and that's that would be my next question. I mean, when you're looking at leaders um, – there's still a tendency you're simplifying this into threes and fives and i completely agree with that but you know companies make things so complex sometimes and this is actually making it simpler how do you help companies focus and and take the complexities um you know the 10 list the 12 list and and make life simpler well the thing i always the thing i always impress on people is if you have a complicated problem, you are not going to solve it by out-complicating it, <laughs> right? I mean, if you have a complicated problem and then you try a complicated solution, you're making the situation worse. It's sort of like a math experiment. Yeah. And it, it, you start multiplying things. And my view is you have to divide things. And so when you have a complex problem, you got to focus on the simple things, Get very granular and say, okay, what are the four or five things we're going to get done that's going to solve this problem? And if we can drive to those four or five things, we got a shot at success. Yeah. And I, you just have to you have to tell – and thankfully, employees will say, thank God you made it simple because I couldn't follow the complicated thing you were trying to do. <laughs> That that is I've heard that so many times over the years, um, presentations or employees just sitting in the room, kind of looking glassy-eyed. You know, 
what are we supposed to do now? <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So um, we're going to take another break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about your new book. And I'm really excited to, to hear about that, even though I've had the sneak preview. And for our listeners, we are talking with Robbie Bach, and he's best known for founding and leading the team that created the Xbox. And today he's an entertaining storyteller, a catalyzing voice who writes books, speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity, strategy, and civic issues. And he is the author of Xbox Revisited, a game plan for public and civic renewal and that's what we've been just been talking about a great business book with great business tips and when we come back from the break we are going to talk about your new book robbie the wilkes insurrection and it's a contemporary filler that is thriller okay that is really fantastic okay and it's available on amazon and if you'd like to reach out to robbie you can go to robbie bach 61 on facebook and on Twitter, Robbie underscore Bach. And on LinkedIn, Robbie Bach. And this series is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. Please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And each month, Cinda also brings you online learning series. And you can go to the online learning series on Cinda under www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America. TRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Robbie Bach, who's best known for founding and leading the team that created Xbox. And he's an entertaining storyteller, catalyzing voice who writes books and speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity and strategy and civic issues. And um, before the break, we're talking about some of the business tips he has in his book, uh, Xbox Revisited, a game plan for public and civic renewal. And some super business tips there. But now we're going to go into kind of a little fun area because, Robbie, you have a new book that just came out today, The Wilkes Insurrection. And it's an action book, a contemporary thriller, and it's available today on Amazon. And I got a sneak preview. I do have to say 
it's it's incredible. It's a great book. Um, I haven't got to the end yet, and I haven't been able to put it down. Um, so, you know, what kind of your experiences, you know, in Microsoft, there's all kinds of stuff weaved in here. You, you can see your experience with 9-11 in here. Um, how did you weave your own experiences into this, uh, th- th- this book? Well, basically, I think for most authors, you know, they don't write about themselves. You know, the, uh, Robbie Bach is not cloaked as a character in this book, but you do write from your experience. And so uh, 9-11 is an important part of this story. Um, my experience in technology plays a little bit of a role in this story. Um, my father was in the military. That meant a lot to me. So that plays in this story. I'm a civic leader. And, you know, this story is about a, an anarchist who is trying to tear apart the country. So that's in the story. And so you, you pour a little bit of yourself into each of your characters and mold them and evolve them. And it's a really cool process. You, you, you watch your characters literally grow as you go through the book. Um, that's what's been powerful and fun for me. Mm-hmm. And and the book the book has a lot of you complex problems and and you talked we were talking about trying to make complex problems easy and in the book throughout the book you, you try to you know, t- you take these puzzles or these puzzle pieces and you try to put them together um, in kind of a a uh, easier way how, is that you know kind of a hint to how we should approach some of these problems. Yes, I think the uh, the construction of the book, um, you know, was really based around the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, I, I actually wrote about five or six of the characters independent of the plot uh, long before I started to build the plot. And so then the plot became a way for how do we bring these things together? How do we simplify? How do we integrate? Uh, how do we make that happen? And, you know, I do think when you look at the, the problems we have, um, uh, certainly in the United States, but uh, in other countries as well, a lot of it is because they're complex problems. And if we, if we could all uh, simplify those a little bit, attack them one at a time and sort of approach them from a simpler direction, we'd get there. Now, in, in the course of this, this is a, you know, a political thriller. Um, the, you know, figuring out who this anarchist is, is not a simple problem. And, <laughs> you know, it's a really challenge for the FBI and for my lead character, Tamika Smith. And so part of the fun of the story is watching them try to trace those twists and turns and really unravel the puzzle. Yeah. And, um, it's, it, it, now that you brought up characters, I just like to talk about it because it's really interesting that you wrote the, the characters before you wrote the plot. And mm. the characters are amazing. And and my favorite character is this Tamika. Okay. And um, what I really liked, you know, she's in a, you know, she's kind of a lead in there and, and you've picked a woman to be in there and kind of mm. lead, lead these, you know, lead this crusade and, and lead things in, in a position that maybe typically wouldn't be a woman. So uh, you know, was that on purpose? Or are you g- giving messages out there? How did that integrate in there? No, I, well, I think it's a, it's a couple of different things. One, the character Tamika Smith has been running around in my head for, you know, five, six, seven years. And when I started to write the book, she was going to be an important character. And I said earlier, you watch her characters grow. And as I watched her grow, I said, no, she's not the important character. She's the most important character. 
And I found myself thinking in Tamika's head a lot of the time as I was writing the book. And so you start to realize, hey, this is uh, somebody special. Now, as for her being a woman, you know, I've, I've worked with and uh, worked for and, and helped uh, advise uh, women as leaders. And I think there's real strength and, and power there. And it's not so much that men are better or women are better. But we, we bring different attributes to the table, and Tamika brings her own attributes to the table. And the fact that she's a woman in the context of the story ultimately doesn't matter. It's her, mm-hmm. her skill, her leadership, her, her intellectual, and her physical prowess that, that are important in the book. And, and that's what's powerful. So for me, uh, you know, writing from a woman's perspective certainly was an interesting challenge. Um, but I actually found it quite liberating because I could you know, think a little bit outside the box. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, she's she's a really interesting character. And um, from from all your characters in the book, with, without letting the cat out of the bag, you know, who who would, who's your favorite character other than Tamika as kind of a lead? Well, have- the other per- the other person who I think is a fascinating character is Bryce Roscovich. And I won't give any way any of the plot or not anything that's you won't figure out relatively quickly. But Bryce uh, actually was not one of my f- first characters. In fact, when I finished my set of five or six character sketches, Bryce didn't exist as a character. And he grew out of one of my other characters, his father, Charles Roscovich. And over time, I got to realize this guy's fascinating. He's a, he's a bit of a nerd, a bit of a recluse. He's incredibly smart. And... He's got some moral and ethical challenges he has to deal with in life. And so wrestling with those and helping Bryce wrestle with those um, and figuring out his role in, in unraveling these puzzles that we talked about, to me, was, was really fun. And a number of people who've read the book say, you know, they, people love Tamika. They think she's a, a great character. But a number of people say the one that snuck up on them was mm. Bryce. Yeah. yeah, I do have to agree with that. And, um, and you're right. And he, he does struggle. And uh, let me, let's talk about that um, a, a little bit about just kind of civic duty and, and other messages. Um, you know, there there's a lot of in the beginning, I said, you know, a lot of fiction kind of reflects reality and reality reflects fiction. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the world today. I mean, we just came out of, um, you know, uh, two years of, of really lockdown. Um, you know, there's, we've come together, but we've been apart because, you know, as we came together with 9-11, COVID kind of brought us together, then brought us apart. Um, where where does all this that's going on in the world today, how much does that influence kind of what's going on in your book? Well, it's interesting. I started writing the book in, in 2016 and, you know, even even before the, the U.S. election and, and most of the plot and, and the characters were written by the end of 2017. And I tried to write things that were, let's say, a little bit out there that maybe might be um, people might say, oh, whoa, I'm not sure that could actually happen. And then in this crazy world, many of those things actually did happen. Mm. And, you know, you, you, you sort of say, well, how does, what's, what's, the, what's causing that? What's affecting that? And we are in a world right now where uh, we seem to be better at division than we are at coming together. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's fundamentally about leadership. And so the challenge in the book 
in the context of this action thriller with these characters and these um, pieces that people are trying to figure out is how do leaders act? And some of them act well, some of them don't. Um, my, my antagonist is an anarchist, so his job is division, and he feeds off the division that's going on. And so our challenge in the, the challenge in the book is how do we, they bring people together? And I think fundamentally that's our challenge in society today is how do we find ways to find more things in common, not more things that divide us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the book really does that. I mean, it is interesting, um, you know, to, to see these characters and see how they act and, and see how they do bring people together. So, I mean, for our listeners, um, please go to Amazon. The name of the book is The Wilkes Insurrection, and it's it's just came out today. So you can get it on Amazon today. And it really is a great book. Um, a lot of action, interesting characters, and I highly recommend it. And um, Robbie, so we're getting towards the end. And you just, you just kind of said, you know, a Part of the message here is how leaders should act. So we have a lot of leaders listening to this. Um, we're still in tough times. I mean, we're not, we're kind of in the new normal. Um, um, you know, the way we're approaching the new normal in Europe is a little bit different than the United States. If you had a message to the leaders out there leading companies today, um, you know, leading, you know, uh, countries today, what would your message be to them? Well, I think the the challenge uh, everybody faces is what's the what's the guiding light for for your actions? Is the guiding light just shareholder value? Is the guiding light just what's good for you and your company, or is is the guiding light what's good in the community around you as well? And what I would argue, in particular for corporate and business leaders, is that for the longest time and I, I, since I came from that world, I, I include myself in this statement. Um, we've been focused on shareholder value and how do we make more money, and and that's a good thing. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm a, I'm a capitalist at heart, so I believe in that. But I also believe that doing the right thing for the community, doing the right thing in the environment around us, is actually awesome for our business. And so, what I want business leaders to think about is not oh, do I have to do good things for my shareholders or just be a, a, a nice person? But think about the fact that doing good things in the community is actually good for your shareholders. Being environmentally responsible now, 10 years from now, is going to pay off for shareholders. Helping build your community and making it stronger and treating your workers well is good for shareholders because it builds a stronger company. And getting people to think holistically like that is really challenging. And of course, you got the same problem in government, where leaders think a lot about how they get reelected, and maybe not quite enough about how they do the right thing uh, given the circumstances we're in. And I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a real fundamental challenge. And you know, in the in the Wilkes insurrection, you know, there are characters who have to think about that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, to me, is a you know sort of a, a powerful part of the message. And you know. It's an exciting, great thriller, and hopefully at the end people will look at it and say, oh, yeah, I learned something too. That would mm-hmm. be cool. Yeah, and, and I think – I really think that's what's going to happen. And again, our listeners, um, the, the, the Wilkes Insurrection um, available today on Amazon October 12th. Um, I was lucky to get a sneak preview. Definitely – 
get it and it's a it's a really great read um it's a page turner and you really cannot put it down so robbie um we're at the pretty much at the end and thank you so much for sharing your insights with us um great stories about xbox um great story great business advice and um you know this business advice and how leaders act also comes through in your book so thank you very much I really, really enjoyed being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I hope folks in, enjoy the reading and uh, look forward to talking sometime soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, we have been talking with Robbie Bach, and he is best known for founding and leading the team that created the Xbox. And today is an entertaining storyteller, catalyzing voice who writes books, speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity, and strategy, and civic issues and he is the author of xbox revisited a game plan for public and civic renewal that has a really lot of great business tips in it so i highly advise that book and also the new book that's just coming out today the wilkes insurrection a great thriller and a great adventure and it is available on amazon today and you can also reach out to Robbie, and he is on Facebook under RobbieBox61, and he is on Twitter under Robbie underscore Bach, and he is also on LinkedIn under Robbie Bach, and that is Robbie spelled R-O-B-B-I-E. So please look him up. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Station. I'm Kimberly Lewis, and please connect with me on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and tell me what you would like to hear on this podcast. And you can also tune in to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us, do not worry because we are on every major podcast platform. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is a nonprofit organization doing conferences, market research, legislative white papers focused on digital. For more information on Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, thank you for listening today and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.